Welcome to the first episode of The Mode, the podcast brought to you by Eponymous. My name's Elaine, this is Alan. Hi there. And together we are going to bring you what's new and what's happening in fashion, predominantly focused on independent and emerging designers. Now, today we're going to cover some topics first that we were interested in in the fashion news. And the first one was in January, and it was Jean-Paul Gaultier choosing to retire in the form that he's currently working from the fashion scene. Now, it's a 50-year career that Jean-Paul Gaultier has had within fashion and within what he's currently doing at the moment. But that's not to say that he's not going to move on to different things. I think he said in numerous interviews that he does have some creative plans that he will be focusing in on the future. But it definitely is the end of an era and it is quite sad when you see someone deciding to step back from what you know them for. And when I think of Jean-Paul Gaultier, I always think of the perfume, you know, the perfume that's his signature scent and you have the male and the female versions and the, and the body bottles. I always wanted it and I never got it. And there's actually nothing to stop me getting it now. But the truth is, I don't even know what the fragrance is. I don't know if it's floral. I don't know if it's citrusy. But it's funny that when I think of Jean-Paul Gaultier, I always think, never did get that perfume. The other thing, Alan, you might agree with when you think of Jean-Paul Gaultier, think of Madonna. The cone bra. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, when you think of Jean-Paul Gaultier and you think of, I think it was the 1992 and she had the blonde peroxide curls and the... The blonde ambition too. Oh, it might have been actually. There you go. And uh, I think you're right. And it was everything in that tour was so obviously connected. I mean, even if you didn't know it was Jean-Paul Gaultier, once you got to know his style, you just knew immediately. And that was such a powerful set of images from that tour. And they still stand the test of time today. So I think knowing that Jean-Paul Gaultier is... Stepping down from the design in the, in the style that he's doing it just now, his final fashion show, I cannot wait to see though what he decides to do in the future. So that was the first bit of news that definitely caught our attention. The second fashion story is much more serious and much more recent. Giorgio Armani had to cancel his show in Italy due to the coronavirus. All we want to say on that is that we're thinking of everyone that's affected in Italy and around the world. Every podcast, Alan is going to be asked a question that's either relating to online shopping, something that's happening in tech, any fashion news that might be more on the techie side that we might not fully understand. We mentioned in the preview cryptocurrency being one of them. Today, I thought a really handy question to ask Alan that a lot of us don't really understand the difference between is what are your rights when you're buying something online and it's either made to order versus bespoke. So Alan, what is really, what is made to order? What is bespoke? Well, the main difference between uh, made to order and bespoke or custom is you're ordering the size that the brand has produced to be made at that point rather than just having something shipped. So there'll be standard sizes from the brand. There's no sort of like modification or anything like that um, to suit yourself. So that if you did have any problems or you didn't like it, you could return it. Whereas bespoke, um, you're actually getting them to change something away from their original specification. So it might be a slight modification to the size, a slight modification to the design, 
And in those instances, um, it changes how you can return an item. Right. So you can only return it then um, or you know, for a refund or whatever it may be. If the item was faulty um, or, you know, it wasn't done to the specification yeah. you'd ordered. And that the reason for that is because the brand might not be able to sell that again yeah could it even be that the you have literally created something from scratch with bespoke or custom so you could get something modified but you could also get it made from from zero you just co-create it together or you say i want this make yeah. it for me it depends yeah it depends on the brand that you probably look at more sort of craft things like that mm -hmm. um and maybe something specific but yeah it's, it'd be you couldn't expect the brand to then um, take that back because they might not be able to sell it again. Yeah. So in those instances, you would only be able to um, return it if it was uh, faulty. And with made to order, it would literally be, um, I'm ordering a dress in a 10, a 12, a 14. Yeah. And that's the difference is I'm buying it and then they're making it for me, but they're making it in that 10, that 12, that 14. Yeah. I'm not getting it custom made. It's just no. getting made when I've triggered the order. Yeah, you see, so you're basically just ordering as you would normally. It's just going to take maybe however long it takes to, to produce it. Right. So we do that a lot on our website. We have made to order because um, some of the um, the dresses or, you know, whatever it may be, might actually might actually not be sitting, waiting in stock yeah. um, due to maybe the materials, uh, yes. due to how it's made, due to the sort of complexities behind it. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes these items are made to order. Well, we've got some brands that are small, so they don't want to have too much stock or they can't afford to have too much stock. So it makes sense yeah. to produce it on demand. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, producing on demand, I think is something that with manufacturing, certainly as it's gone, has gone through, I think there's definitely going to be a move towards that to cut down waste. If I was you're, going to say it's more ethical yeah. that way as well, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, if you have, if you have, I mean, if you know you're going to be selling something, but if you th look at some of the stories that you've seen in, in the past about brands having to get rid of so much waste because they've, they've, op yeah. they've overproduced, uh -huh. I think what we'll see start to see is more of a return to uh, sort of like less mass production, basically, for certain yeah. things. And I, th and I think that's, possibly a good thing yeah. because it does cut down on waste and not only that um we also have some brands where they ask you even though you may order say you order a size 12 in a dress and it's made to order those brands are so thorough and they don't want any they don't want you to be disappointed with the sizing or misunderstand the sizing we've got a few brands that just ask if the customer could double check their measurements so that they can say oh you might have thought you were a 10 but by our measurements you're actually a 12 and they're actually being extra cautious and extra careful and giving that extra level of service by saying if you could just measure those key body points that let us ascertain if you're a 10 12 or 14 we can guarantee that when your dress is made it will be the correct size and the correct fit for you yeah i mean the sizing if you have a look at any sizing it varies from brand to brand um, and it varies, you know, around the yes. world. Mm -hmm. So it's, it can be difficult to have when you have, it's quite good having that where you've got the actual sizing of the garment. Yeah. That's good because then you know if it will fit. So what a lot of our brands do is ask us to contact the customer um, and then we'll get specific sizes so that they can best match how that is. So yeah. it might be a size, um, a medium 
but there might be a slight variation on that medium. So you want it to be the best yes. fit for the customer. Exactly. Um, when they order it. So yeah, that's when ordering, uh, asking the customer for sizing um, uh, would be ideal so that they get the perfect item. Yeah. Even though it's a medium, it's still going to be the perfect item for them. And I think that the final point that I, I think is worth making is bespoken made to order both require the need for a bit of patience so they are the absolute opposite of fast fashion so as long as you're prepared that obviously with bespoke i think you are prepared because you're asking for something to be made to your specifications but even with made to order it is the opposite of fast fashion they can turn it around quite quickly but you cannot get that item immediately some people obviously when they're shopping online it suits them to do well very occasionally you can get same day delivery depending which fast fashion outlet you're working with um next day delivery obviously with made to order there's going to have to be a little bit of patience and i, I think most people are coming around to it because if you want to shop ethically and sustainably and thoughtfully then there's going to have to be a little bit of patience there while your brand is creating that product for you. But I still think every so often you might not realise when you're investing in predominantly independents that do it this way. There is a little bit more patience involved while your product is created. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, that is your basic differences between made to order and bespoke, which is also sometimes called custom. So final part of our first podcast is our question, our topic of the podcast. And this one is your fashion firsts and lasts. So we put the shout out and actually it was our YouTubers that really got involved in it. And because they're from all over the world, some of these firsts and lasts were hilarious. So we're just going to collect a few of them, not all of them today. But we'll start off with my fashion firsts and lasts in Allen's. Now, they don't literally have to be the very first one that you remember, but I've got a freaky weird memory and I do remember my first one. When I was in primary school, I remember starting primary one and my fashion first was my school bag and I remember so clearly it was from BHS, it was a mini mouse school bag and it was grey with pink straps and I loved it. Minnie looked beautiful on the front. She had a pearl necklace in there. She just looked so lovely. And that school bag was all it took for me to be so excited to get into primary school. Even at five years old, I think I was already very much into Dallas and Dynasty. And that was my version of dressing for the office. That was my clutch bag. So that was definitely my fashion first. I adored that bag. And my fashion last is um, I have been very cautiously and carefully choosing my dresses for weddings, for events. And I am now at that age where I'm investing in key pieces that I can wear again and again and I can adapt them. I can switch out the accessories. And it was actually two dresses that I bought at the same time both for different weddings and they were both actually from our website and one was from Anna Etter. Yep. And Anna, where's Anna from again? It's Austria. Austria. It was a lovely flowing Anna Etter dress. The second dress was a black and white dress from Analogius and they're from, is it Spain? It is, yeah. Spain. So two dresses that I did invest in. I think they were I think one was just under a hundred and then one was just over a hundred. But for me, 
the old me would have just went straight to the high street, straight to Zara, somewhere that I felt comfortable with, um, maybe spent about 40 or 50 pounds. Still nothing wrong with that, I will still do that, but this was the first time that I realised that it was important for me to start investing in key pieces and I genuinely am so pleased that I did because it's another level when you get to try a designer, A, somebody that's from another country that you haven't previously been exposed to, you haven't tried on their designs before, but it was also lovely to try something that was a bit more structured. When I've always done my high street shopping, I'm always happy with what I've selected because I make sure that it suits me, but it's normally, again, high street fashion, it's good quality for the price point that I'm investing in, but this is the first time that I've really invested in a structured piece, uh, independent smaller designer and something where I can actually see where my money's went, I can see the stitching, I can see the quality of the fabric. So that they were my two most recent fashion purchases and I love them. I genuinely can't see a time when they won't be in my wardrobe. So Alan, think back. Now it doesn't have to be primary because that was just me. Fashion first, one of your fashion firsts that sticks out in your mind. Um, mid well probably early 90s right so we're probably talking 92 i would imagine uh can't remember how old i was <laughs> 92 uh, you'd be uh, about 12 or 13 oh no you'd be older than that you'd be about 15 15 about 15 yeah thanks for sharing my age to everybody. <laughs> um yeah so yeah i was about yeah about 15 at the time so i remember and Emin in the UK might actually remember this because I wasn't the only one that had it. Um, it was kind of like a multicolored top body with purple arms. <laughs> is what I can remember. <laughs> so, anyway, what was the multicolored body bit? Was it like primary colors? Because you've ju you've just reminded me that rugby shirts were in at that time. Well, I remember the song. The song at the time I remember I think was out was that dub be good to me. Right. So was right. it kind of super baggy, oversized? Baggy, oversized. So it was kind of Did you have like... a big baseball cap on? No, I didn't have a baseball cap, no. <laughs> it was, um, now looking back, it reminded me of something that was maybe taking a nod from the 60s, right. but was kind of the bit 90s. psychedelic. Psychedelic, um, and a bit kind of, I suppose, I want to say grungy, but right. maybe not Well, grunge. it sounds, if it was oversized, it would be grungy in size, but maybe not in colour. No, from what I remember, it was multicolored, um, like the torso. Long sleeve T-shirt, basically. Uh, well, long sleeved with sort of flared sleeves. Oh, flared sleeves! It's getting mm. better. From what I remember, so slightly flared at the end. And did you love it? I did. I thought it was really good. Uh, you felt the business. Yes, but looking back now, it's probably horrific. Oh, do you have any evidence? No. Oh no. Did you wear it with baggy jeans? Because I remember no, early nineties super baggy jeans. No, no, no. I, I never. Well, I never had. I was like boot cut jeans. I wasn't no, allowed. I, I was not allowed jeans. I called them denims. I was not allowed denims until I was eight. And then the first pair of denims that I got, and I had to really battle my mum for them because she didn't think denims looked good. Mm. And the first denims I got had the word graffiti written down the leg. And uh, when I wore them, I felt amazing. And then I went to my grand and granddad's and the first thing he said to me was, you've got a big stain on your trousers. Mm, and it was, it. it was my lettering that said graffiti and I was devastated that I thought I looked great and he thought I just had a big stain on my trousers. I was like, no, it says graffiti, it's meant to say that. And of course, typical granddad is like, no. 
Yeah, that's it. Different <laughs> generation. That's true. I still love those jeans, though. There's a lot of things now I see people wearing, I think, why? <laughs> why? And what yeah. the main one is those, the for guys that wear those trousers that, for some reason, the crotch is down at the knees. Oh, yeah, the, the joggies that. that are just like, it's like a square. I don't get that. It's no. like a square cut. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's not too sure. It reminds me a little bit of MC Hammer. Yeah, but more, but more angular. But more angular, <laughs> yeah. kind of very very. His were more. His were like, loose. Yeah, his were loose and flowy, but these are just kind of. <laughs> these are like a rectangle but with legs. Be, but they're like jogging, sort of like trousers or whatever. Bizarre. It's like I don't I don't get it. No, I don't get that either. What is your most current fashion purchase? Fashion love, and I'm guessing it will not be those. No, it's uh, well my the one. That I bought, I got to say, an invested investment piece was my Vivian Westwood, Vivian Westwood coat. Yeah. So um, Prince of Wales, um, check, uh, in sort of like a, it's an, sort of like a dark orange and kind of navy blue, which doesn't sound. Um, oh, it's a good one. As if it would go, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's when you see it. It's a good one. Yes. We'll put it this way. I've been with you at several events and nobody has been stopped apart mm. from you to ask where well, they got their coat. No, I did upstage a bride. Yeah, you didn't mean to though. Didn't mean to, but yeah. I did upstage a bride where people... But even the bride stopped you and said, I love your coat. So to be fair... Well, yeah, I mean, no, but <laughs> the thing was is that people were coming up to me. Um, I was standing at the bar and people would come up to me and actually asked me about the jacket. Yeah. And they wanted to take pictures with it. And I was like, no, they didn't want me. Not you, just the coat. Me. It was the coat. Is that why you couldn't take it off in case it got nicked? <laughs> well, yeah, in case I saw somebody wearing it. But yeah. People... But I've been with you in several different locations where outside, you've been asked about that coat. It was outside um, on the phone. Yeah. Um, at the same wedding. And two people randomly walking by commented on it. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to respond to that. And then we were, honest, at an, we were at an event but... just a few months ago and someone commented on your coat. Yeah. So that is an investment piece that you know you've made the right choice. Obviously, well, you just you like what you like, but when people keep stopping you, you know that you've got something special. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the colour more than anything, I think. It's um, very... And it's got the Vivian... Um, what do you call it? The orb yeah, on the, the, bu- buttons. the buttons. Yeah, yeah you, you can't can really see that. see that, but up until you're up close, but... It's the colour and the check of it that it really stands out. And you kind of, you don't, I suppose in a way, you don't really, if, even if you're not into fashion and you're looking at things of why would I spend money on that, you can actually tell and you can actually see the thought process of the yeah. designer going into it. And then when you actually wear it and people do comment on it, then you, then you realise just the, how much talent they actually have because you then realise that um, actually nobody would comment if I'd bought a jacket out of um, like a high street store, mainly. I mean, they're, they're mass produced. They are, they are mass produced. People still say I like Oh yeah, what you're your wearing, friends might say but, but you might not I'm talking stop a, I'm talking about random people in the yeah. street or people you don't know. Yeah. But that, that's also like individual style. People can say, I love your style. True, yeah, they can, do, they can say that. Um, but... I don't really go for any particular style. I just quite like that yeah, jacket. Yeah, you, you, you like that a lot. So basically, yeah, it's, you can, it's difficult to kind of... I, I don't really like being the centre of attention, which is ironic considering yeah. I bought a bright orange jacket. But <laughs> um, I I don't like being... I like what I like, and I like things um, when I see them. 
but I don't like being the center of attention. So I would rather people, you know, not say that to me. Well, but we've got some really good ones here now. It's not just fashion because, again, on eponymous platform, it's fashion, it's lifestyle, it's accessories. We've got some really good ones here. So Marzia says that she, when she was five, I chose my first pair of shoes. They were pink Barbie slippers. I wore them until they fell off my feet for being disintegrated. Most recent pair of Ferengamo ballet flats. Can you see the pattern? I think that's so cute. I, I think I, I've always been tall, so I probably couldn't have got the Barbie slippers because you used to get those plastic shoes in the toy shops. And I think that my feet would have been too big even then. I've never had Barbie slippers. No, that's all right. Yeah, it's not too late, but they might not fit you. But they are so cute. And I think that Bally flats, they're a classic. I know that I might not have the smallest feet. So sometimes Bally flats, I love them. But I, maybe somebody's told me that they look like boats. Yeah. <laughs> they do, if you think about it. They, they On look, me. <laughs> they look like a canoe. Thank you. That's just because if I had feet that were any smaller, I'd topple. Mm. So I'll take my canoes. I like them. So Marzia, I agree with you. I think they are good fashion firsts and lasts. Um, we have got Amy Jane Murphy. Fashion first that she remembers is blue mascara, white eyeliner. Now, this will probably mean nothing to you, no. but you might remember when you were younger. Even um, for me, it would be when I was younger, blue mascara was always something that I would see people wearing and think, oh, when I'm older, I'm going to get blue mascara. It was amazing. Well, thanks to you doing your makeup artistry on various different things, and I've been on shoots with you and stuff like that, it got to the point where I would be walking down the street and I would look at people and say, hmm, her makeup's wrong and things like that. And I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be able to do uh, that. And that's your fault. I know what you mean. You just mean the application methods, the application. don't you? You'd be looking at the application and thinking, oh, I should have blended that or or rather they should have blended that in a yeah. bit more or, or you see that, the, that's the wrong shade of foundation yeah, for the tone. See, or when you see them wearing HD makeup and they get a picture taken, you've got a big white face because... The it's flashback. Not, it's, the, it's not yeah. meant for that. I've accidentally trained Alan. Yeah. We know that creativity has no rights or wrongs, but there are definitely application techniques for makeup to get the best, the best of it, rather. So because Alan's seen me at work and also heard me talking about application methods... And through, every video that you've done, I've yeah. edited, so I've had to listen to it. So <laughs> I have, by accident, picked up uh -huh. what you do. But I must say, though, Amy Jane, I'm loving the blue mascara and the white eyeliner because that was a classic. And you still wear them now. Blue mascara is back and it has been for quite a while. And also white eyeliner, although you get more peachy toned now, which is more subtle. But again, it just opens up. You put it on the inner rim, the waterline of your eye, and it opens up your eyes. doesn't need to be any particular gender. Anyone can do it. It's a nice wee trick. And the most recent one that Amy Jane bought is a weighted blanket. I actually know what these are. I think this is amazing. Alan, do you know what a weighted blanket is? Something that's heavy. Yes, correct. But it's better than that. It, it's not cheap. Weighted blankets will be lovely and fluffy and gorgeous. And they might be fleecy or my favourite teddy fleece but they're actually weighted so that it feels like you're you're being hugged by your blanket. Mm. So it almost feels like a hug in blanket form. Mm. And it's comfy, it's cosy, and because it's got a weight to it, it's the perfect fit for you. Yep. Oh, so Amy Jane, that is a good set of fashion first and last because not only will that weighted blanket be current, but it will also be something that you probably will have to get prized from your fingers. If someone says, nope, that's had its day, 
you'll be thinking, no, it's not. Because everyone wants to feel like they're getting hugged when they're just nodding off and going to sleep and feeling comfy. Genius, I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you think you might be getting yourself a wee weighted blanket? Yeah. Right, here is another one. So this is from Squeaky7144. You might not know what this is, but I do. The little sticker earrings, and you would have a whole month's worth on a, a whole month's worth, sorry, on a card, and would save them for special occasions. And it was when you were little, when you didn't have pierced ears, it would be like pretend earrings, but they were stickers. So you would put your stickers on your earlobes, and that would be your earrings, and they would come in pairs. I love that. I completely relate to that. And there's still some people today that can't get their ears pierced or choose not to. And clip-ons used to be easy to get. They're not so easy to get now. So maybe they should bring back the sticker earrings. You have to be careful with the nickel as well. Oh, I'm allergic to nickel. The joke is that's why I have to be bought silver or gold because I can't wear nickel. I know, convenient. That, that's it? very convenient. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not my fault. Not my fault. <laughs> and then the last one for today is K Sarah. And this is the 1980s plastic charm necklaces. That's the fashion first. And uh, the chain was plastic. The charms were all different little trinkets and characters. And they've had a look and you can actually see lots of pictures of them online. So it takes you back. I can totally visualise that. I know I would have had that too. I'm guessing again you're like, nope. No, don't know that. Didn't have that. But maybe your sister did. Mm, you probably paid no attention. Probably if it wasn't Star Wars or wasn't Action Mom, you're not bothered. Uh, no, well, we're talking 80s, so I mean, I'm going to be like, you know, six or seven or something like yeah. that when that was out. So Lego. Lego, Star Wars, when I was that age, yeah. Well, the most current one is a recent purchase, a pearl and crystal beaded necklace, bracelet and earring set. And I can see here... Oh, got so many compliments on it. The crystal beads alternate with the pearls and they sparkle so nicely and bring out the shine. It's a long way from that plastic necklace in the 80s, but that's a lovely little connection. You start off with your plastic chains and you end up with the real deal. So I think that's a perfect way to finish this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Finish it with a little bit of class. Indeed. So that is our first mode podcast from Eponymous. Hope you enjoyed it. Always feel free to get in touch. And we will see you again soon with another topic to discuss with all things independent and emerging fashion. Bye.